Amen. John 12, you can turn there and just kind of park. I'll get there eventually. But today is Pentecost Sunday. And as long as this old fellow is going to be pastoring this church, as long as the Lord would allow me to, I will probably always preach a Pentecost message on Pentecost Sunday because it is a very important time that we can reflect and focus and, and learn of, of what God did in Acts 2 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with Him doing what only He could do to, 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 to pay the price for our sin and then to pour out His Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. Literally 50 days, that's what the word Pentecost means. It just literally, let me teach for a little bit. It just means 50 And 50 days after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, 10 days after he ascended to what I consider the oval office of heaven. Amen. There is no office higher than the office that Jesus uh, ascended to. So that should encourage your heart this morning that God is on his throne and he is not nervous about anything going on. That when your life is put firmly in his hands and your trust is in his word, I came to tell you that he will come through and he will show out on your behalf. You just got to trust him. Amen. But in 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, so seven weeks ago today, we celebrated the fact that Jesus came up out of the grave. But he wasn't done when he came up out of the grave. He told his disciples very clearly, he said, Terry, wait until the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. And it says, when they were gathered together in one accord, in unity, praying, seeking God, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now that's an interesting day because we understand that Jesus and God were telling us something very, very clear and plain on the day of Pentecost was that no longer would we have a heart of stone. You see, the the nation of Israel was born back on Mount Sinai with the giving of the laws about 1,445 years before this date that we're talking about today when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. And basically what I want to talk about today is the people of Pentecost, the presence of Pentecost, and the power of Pentecost. That's what I want to talk to you about today. But who are the people of Pentecost? The people of Pentecost, if you're a blood-bought saint here today, you are a person of Pentecost. It's not just a word. It's not just a worship experience. It's not a goosebump. It's not anything like that. The day of Pentecost was the birthing of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful today that he told Peter that he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against what I am building. And he birthed the church on Pentecost. He's continuing to pour out his spirit upon his people and can I tell you today, he's continuing to build his church right now as we speak, because first Peter says, we are a holy nation. I thank God for my country. I honor my country. I would fight for my country, but I belong to a higher kingdom and a higher country. And his, the king's name is Jesus and his nation is the blood bought church globally with billions of people. On the day of Pentecost, His Holy Spirit was poured out, and it tells us very clearly that that around 3,000 people were added on that day. And can I tell you that 3,000 has turned into several billion that are lifting up the name of Jesus even right now here today on the Lord's Day all across the world. Isn't it cool that you could fly into any country in the world, and if you run into a believer, you have more in common with them than anybody else that you would ever meet because you share a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are the... The people of Pentecost because God birthed his church. And if you're a part of a church this morning, can I get an amen? amen? 
Amen. 1,400 years before God gave the law, Jesus said, instead of giving them the law, I'm going to give them my Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because when the laws were written in the Old Testament on a tablet of stone, now God comes and he writes his laws upon the flesh of our heart. In other words, you are a new creation this morning if you belong to the church of Jesus Christ. So when we ponder Pentecost and what the purpose of Pentecost is, we think in terms of the church became the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. So it's not lost, and you should understand this, that the Jews really had three main feasts that they celebrated. And, of course, Jesus was, was crucified at Passover. That's when they celebrate the Feast of Passover. And then here at Pentecost was the second really major feast. And the Feast of Pentecost was the, the Feast of Harvest. Everybody say harvest. The Feast of Harvest. They, they brought barley and they would come and, and give an offering. And then, of course, they had the, the feast in the fall where the main thing that they brought was grapes. And it's called the Feast of Trumpet, Trumpets. Grapes represent judgment. There's one more feast to go, church, and it's when that horn blows and Jesus Christ returns. But we are still in the season of Pentecost because the church is still the church. In other words, what it was symbolizing on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed was harvest. Everybody say harvest. Harvest. So God's plan is to use His people very clearly. And throughout the Word, we understand God wants to use His people in the way of harvest, in the way of gathering. Jesus told him very clearly, He said, you say the harvest is far off. He said, lift your eyes because the harvest is all around you. Can I encourage you this morning that, are we a church? Everybody say yes. yes. Do we have people outside these walls that don't know Jesus? Everybody say yes. yes then God has delegated that responsibility. But sometimes we don't understand that God wants to empower you to be a witness for Him. And that's what Pentecost is all about. It's not just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to empower His people in order to reach a lost and dying world. The harvest is still in effect. So what God is saying in Pentecost is His focus is the harvest... His plan is the local church right here today. And His power is to do it in the fire and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Pentecost is centered around three main things this morning. So this is the purpose of Pentecost and the people of Pentecost that God birthed. It's the church becoming a nation. It revolves around God saying, it's harvest time. Go tell everybody about Jesus. God's saying, you don't have the power on your own, so I am going to equip you with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful that God sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? So we have a harvest field. It's called Homosassa, Florida, in the surrounding area. And the church was birthed that day, and Jesus is still building His church. He is still moving in His church. I just came to encourage you that on a day like Pentecost, we are reminded of that very simple yet profound fact that Jesus is still saving. Jesus is still healing. Jesus is still Jesus, and He is on an eternal throne. And we can focus on that this morning as we look at the the day of Pentecost. What was the purpose of Pentecost? Of all the days... When they were praying, I just kind of, when they gathered together and they were praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I asked myself a simple question and just think, well, they knew the, the, the Feast of Pentecost was coming up in just a few short days. Did they have their mind pointed towards that? Did they, did they kind of have a special feeling that, man, if there's any day that he's going to pour out? Because, again, it represented harvest. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the first fruits 
of many who will be born. Billions of people have been saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ all throughout the decades. And I talked last week, and I'm going to tie all this together with this. When we talk about the purpose of Pentecost, don't miss that it was for the birthing of God's holy church. It was for the birthing of a people who would be kings and they would be priests in order to reach others all around us every single day. So that is the purpose of Pentecost. But who are the people of Pentecost? What's the, what's the, what's the presence of Pentecost? And what's the, the people of Pentecost? Because when you focus in on this day, and I said I would tie this together and God helped me do it uh, the last couple of days. Last week I was talking about, you can go down one or two paths. You can go down the path of trying to please God or trying to work your way into God's favor. Or you can go down the path of trusting God. God wants you to trust Him. So really the most important element that we could find in any believer's life is the relationship that we get to enjoy through the blood of Jesus with the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. Everybody say, He's real. He's here right now. Amen. I didn't want you to say that. So. No, you can say that. But I said last week that here's what I would do. I would begin to tell you what kind of house. So if the purpose of Pentecost was the birthing of the church, we've gathered here today as the church, then what kind of a house is Jesus attracted to? Because if the presence is what sets us apart from everybody else in the world, and it is, Moses said that very clearly, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. If your presence does not go with us, then what separates us from all the other people on the face of the earth, except for that our God is here in the midst of his people. So the power of Pentecost, the purpose of Pentecost, not just birthing the church, but it was also to have a special people marked by the presence of God. And when you read the scriptures, it becomes very clear to me and crystal clear that God enjoyed going to certain houses. Amen. He did. When you read the gospels and see that there were places he visited over and over and over again, I think it had a lot to do with the attitude towards Jesus of welcoming him. One of the best things you can do in your home, in your workplace, or wherever you are is just welcome him to wherever it is. It'll change your life. You say, is it really that simple, Pastor? Yes. Extend a welcome to God, the Holy Spirit, and just say, Holy Spirit, come and dwell here. I hope you felt the atmosphere shift in this place this morning. I hope you sense the presence of God begin to come into the room because that's what we're here for. Amen? In other words, God gets to choose what He likes. Amen? He has preferences. He hangs out in certain places. There are certain kinds of houses He visits and rests in. There were certain kind of houses Jesus enjoyed going to. Jesus said to Peter again, On this rock I will build my church. Listen, if we want to be the kind of church that the gates of hell do not prevail against, if you want to be the type of believer that the gates of hell do not prevail against, if you want to be the type of family that the gates of hell do not prevail against, then can I give you a secret this morning? You need to get God in your house. We need to be the type of church, the family, and the person that God enjoys coming to. You may say, Pastor, I want to be that kind of church people like coming to. Well, if you're the kind of, listen, if you are the kind of church that God enjoys coming to, guess what? People will enjoy coming to Him. I found that very clear. Amen? 
It's one thing that amazed me about the, the revival back in the, in the winter, back in February at the Asbury Revival. There was nothing, there were no lights, there were, wasn't even really good worship. And I don't mean that negatively, I mean it just, it, it, it attracted people because all you really need to attract people to God is God. Who knew? <laughs> so we as a church, you say, what's the vision here at the church? I'll tell you what it is, it's know, grow, and go. We desire you to know Him in an intimate way because that is life-changing. Yes. We desire for you to grow in your relationship with God where the same battles that you're fighting today, you can overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. There is an overcoming church that God is raising up in this time, and I want to be a part of it. And then finally, what we want you to do is to go into all the world and tell them about this life-changing Savior that you've met. God did not send you out to be a convincer of anything. Amen? He sent you out to be a witness. I can do that. I can tell you for hours all the things God has done in my life. And who can testify that today? How good God is. What I found is people are looking for God and they find more church. Come on. Right? Listen, if we get God in the house, then people are drawn to the house and people stay in the house. So... The, the purpose of Pentecost was birth of the church. Why? Because God, just like in the Old Testament when he gave the law, God wanted to have a special people. God wanted to have a people with his spirit now put on the inside. I just want God to be the main attraction here at Christian Center Church. So I studied this, and there are certain houses that God went to. I, you know what I desire for CCC is we're the talk of heaven. Amen? Amen. I, I want to be known in heaven. I want Jesus to say, hey, there's my people right there down in old home of Sassa. Come on. And I talked about this as we opened up this morning. But everybody say atmosphere. atmosphere. The atmosphere of a house is incredibly important. Amen. The atmosphere that is set. The, the, the way that we approach God. And I found this about God is that oftentimes we wonder what attracts God to a house or as we look today, what attracted him to this house in John 12. But as we look at this, it kind of kept running over and over in my mind, is God's attracted to unity. And it's not so much coming in and saying the same thing, it's coming in and focusing on the same person. Amen? And when we do that, he is lifted up. He's looking for houses of worship to establish his rest and his reign. The question is this morning is if we are the church birthed on Pentecost, the question this morning is what kind of house are we going to be at Christian Center Church? And if Jesus came into this house today, are we setting the culture, are we setting the values of this house as the people of God, of one that is welcoming the presence of God? So if you've ever wondered what kind of house Jesus enjoys going to, or what is it that attracts the presence of God let me clue you in this morning in John 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let's answer this question. What kind of house, if the, if, if the church was birthed on Pentecost 50 days after Jesus rose again, 10 days after he ascended, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and now we are the people of God operating in unity under one banner, and that's the banner of heaven. And let's look at this this morning. John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. 
Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself of what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So now I want to talk about just not the purpose of Pentecost, but who are the people of Pentecost? Because last week I talked about at the end, I talked about we should have the type of a life when we're really trusting God, when we really come to a revelation of what it means to trust him for salvation, to trust him with your life, to trust him with your family, no matter what you're walking through this morning, he's asking us to do that. And when we come into a room of people who understand we are all sinners saved by the same grace, it brings a unity, and then we begin to trust him more and more and more. And here in this story, I see the type of place that Jesus is attracted to, Because I want to be the type of church that Jesus wants to visit. Amen? So number one this morning, we see a person named Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. And Lazarus represents those who have been saved and rescued from the dead. Amen? It represents somebody who was saved and rescued from the dead because just a few days before Lazarus had died, was put up into a tomb, and the stone was rolled into the front of the tomb. And if you look at the story just a chapter before, people were coming to see the fact that Jesus had done a miracle of raising somebody who was completely dead all the way to new life. And I came to tell you something simple, but something powerful this morning. God is an expert of taking those things that are dead and breathing new life into them. In other words, Lazarus had gone from a tomb to a table... Come on. And that is a house that Jesus is attracted to is a house that celebrates people who have gone from a table or a tomb to a table. Amen. Here's what I found in my walk with the Lord is something I'm desiring God to do in my life. A lot of times if I can celebrate what he's doing in your life, then it unlocks. It's a key that unlocks the door for him to do something awesome in my life. In other words, I want to come into a place that celebrates regularly that people are passing from death into life everlasting because if one sinner repents, then all the angels of heaven itself begin to rejoice. Listen, in this service today, if there's one person that gives their heart and life to Christ and begins to follow Him, guess what? We have become a house of celebration and Jesus is attracted to houses of celebration. I want to just tell you this morning that I celebrate what God, just like the the little uh, letter that I read this morning. I mean, I backslidden away from God. I couldn't pray. I couldn't read my word. She's probably listening right now. I I just, and, and, and listen, us worshiping God in spirit and truth changed somebody 800 miles away. That's the power of God. And that is something to celebrate, church, that God is moving. 
So God birthed a church on the day of Pentecost, and He birthed the people, the people of God, who are right here in this room. And can I tell you what God's attracted to? God is not attracted to us sitting there and, and questioning somebody either comes to an altar or raises their hand, and some of you are sitting back there saying, yeah, I know their lifestyle. They're on drugs. They'll be back on them in three days. Can we get rid of the cynicism for a moment and just believe that God is changing people and raising people up and saving them? Had a meeting this week with, with one of the sisters in the church and you know, didn't know her story. We baptized her this past week and was just so encouraged to hear how God has been moving in her life and she's only been saved about a year. God is moving, church. I want you to lift your eyes from what you see in front of you and look around you and hear the words of Jesus to say that the, right, the harvest is right. Yes. Pentecost is a celebration of harvest, first fruits. Jesus was the first fruit raised from the dead. And guess what? When you're walking with Him, when you're covered in the forgiving blood of Jesus, guess what? You're on your way to heaven. That's a celebration right there. You've passed, it says you've already passed from death into life. The life that you now live, you live in God. So when we can understand that when we come together that God wants it to be... You you may come in here and say, man, I've got nothing to celebrate. Listen, begin to celebrate what God's doing on the other end of the row and it will unlock what you have need of this morning. I promise you. Because God didn't didn't just want to... Listen, God didn't want to just fill you with this Holy Spirit so you could have a goosebump. He didn't want you to just fill you with the Holy Spirit so you could... And listen, I, I love all that. You guys know that. I, I love the presence of God. It, it, it's, it's so... It, it's, it's what I live for. Is to come together with you in my prayer closet or come together with you and experience that presence. But listen, a part of what God was attracted to because just a few days before... Lazarus was in a tomb. And if you've never seen yourself in the tomb of sin and death and destruction, then you've never had your eyes open to your true condition this morning. Because apart from Jesus, guess what? You are dead and you're not on your way to heaven. You're on, you're on your way to a place called hell. And the free gift of salvation is offered. And listen, tomorrow is promised to nobody in this room. Nobody. The grass withers and the flower fades. We're here today and gone tomorrow. The brevity of life is something that we should all continually. Because Lazarus got sick suddenly, he died suddenly. Jesus waited where he was for several days. Why? Because he he wanted to show the glory of God. And here we are a couple days later. And listen, Jesus is attracted back to that house for one simple reason. That the tomb had now become a table. And God sets a table before each one of you in the presence of your enemies. And He has good things at that table, honey. He's got blessings. He's got new life. He has, has all these things. So that's number one. We see Lazarus there. And it's a table of celebration. Everybody say celebration. Number two, there's a woman named Martha. Everybody say Martha. Man, Martha, if you've been, if you ever heard a sermon about Martha, she gets such a bad rap, doesn't she? She really does. She's always busy, always serving, always doing something. 
And I want to praise God not only for Lazarus today, but I want to praise God for the Marthas right here in this house too. Because sometimes the Marthas get overlooked. Because imagine coming together at the table to celebrate Lazarus' resurrection. And you come and you come to the table. Because literally, Martha is followed by one word. Martha served. Everybody say served. I'm coming at you this morning, so just get ready. I I really am, because we need to understand that God saved you on purpose for a purpose. Come on. And the purpose wasn't that warm spot that you're creating on the chair right (laughs) underneath the view this morning. Thank God for servants. Amen. Amen. Thank God for people that are willing to jump in and help move things forward. Because again, God birthed the church so that we could reach a dark world. Do not give up your hope this morning that God can reach the hardest to reach that you're dealing with right now. Because He can. What we have created in the church are consumer Christians. I told you I'm coming for you. Me, 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 me. And I thank God for some Marthas that say it's about others, 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 others. Because imagine coming into this room to celebrate and you sit there for 30 minutes, no food. 45 minutes, no food. Hour and a half, no food. Two hours, no food. All right, who's going to cook something? Thank God for those who are willing to jump in and serve others so that they can celebrate what God is doing. Happened this morning, and I don't want to embarrass him. I don't think it will, but... We had some tree work done here in the parking lot, and I did notice when I pulled in, I'm like, boy, the parking lot didn't get blown off very well. A little disappointed, and I was busy. Went on in, put my stuff up, and just a few minutes later, I heard a blower. <laughs> Old Ray Gibbs was out there blowing that parking lot. Listen to me, and I, 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 I walked out to my Jeep to get something, and I just said, God, thank you for Martha's. Amen. What kind of a house, I I talked last week, what attracts the presence of God? Do you know what attracts the presence of God? Servant-hearted people. It it honestly isn't, like President Bush said, it's not brain surgery or brain science or whatever it was he said. (laughs) It's not. He is attracted to houses of celebration because, listen to me, we should be the most celebratory people on the face of the planet every time we come together because we have something to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every week. It's not just Easter. I celebrate the fact that He walked out of that tomb every day because it's the reason I breathed and woke up that day. But I thank God for some Marthas. You know the first person to see the rain that Elijah had been praying for in the Old Testament? The very first person that saw the rain was the servant. Elijah had heard it, but the servant, and he kept telling the servant this. He kept telling him, go back up, go back up, go back up. Seven times. You know what the, the, the number seven is in the Bible? It's the number of completion. I just came to tell some people, you just keep serving right there where you are. You keep doing exactly what God has told you to do. And guess what? There are blessings raining from heaven coming for you, I promise, because God is attracted and loves people who have a servant heart. Everybody say servant. Everybody say celebration. God's attracted to that. So Martha served. So Lazarus, we celebrate with. Martha is serving. And then you have Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary. 
with Mary, one encounter with Jesus absolutely turned her entire life around. One encounter with the Lord. She's demon-possessed according to the Word. She was promiscuous. You know, when Jesus really turns your life around, you never forget it, do you? So you had Lazarus who they were celebrating, Mary who was serving, which is completely, totally in line with what God is. God loves servant-hearted people, people who just jump in there and do what God tells them to do. Mary comes into the house and maybe the crowd that was gathered outside to get a glimpse of Lazarus, perhaps they saw Mary walking from one place to another to go into the house because she had to go and get this very special gift that she desired to pour on the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that day. So again, we're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the, the purpose of Pentecost and the people of Pentecost. Listen, the people of Pentecost celebrate the fact that we have a God who won the victory for us. The people of Pentecost understand that now my life is not my own. I'm not saved by good works. I'm saved for good works. That when you get saved, you begin to understand that, man, I've got a part to play in bringing other people into the kingdom. And then you've got your Marys. I thank God for the Marys. See, I want to... I want to show each one of those three people in every single waking moment of my life because not only do I want to serve God with my, my whole heart, not only do I want to be the type of person that no matter what's going on in my day, I can celebrate God's goodness. I can celebrate the victory. Not because necessarily things are going so well for me, but I know that God is moving and working even in your life right now. And then you've got the Marys. Marys are those who, doesn't matter what their past is, they have, they have had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said this, he said, look, those who are forgiven much, love much. Do I have some people in the house that have been forgiven a lot? Amen. Me too. That's where the, the fountainhead of love for my Jesus comes from. And it's, and it's as genuine as I am standing here, is the fact that I was forgiven very much because Mary couldn't forget what Jesus had done to turn her life around. And I come here to celebrate what he did for you, but never let me forget what he's done for me. So she pulls out a pound of what would be the costliest thing that she owned. It, It said in the word that this was approximately a whole year's wages. Now, if somebody gave you your paycheck up front next week for the whole rest of this year and, and half of the next, we're in May. Man, some of you, man, that boat, right? I got boat on the brain. It's Memorial Weekend. Some of you are like, hurry up. I do too. And we, we'd have all kinds of things run through. I'm like, I can do this. I can pay off that. Whatever it may be. But you know, a Mary's heart says, I want to take... I want to take what Jesus has done and I want to pour it lavishly right back on him. What kind of a house is Jesus attracted to? What is Jesus attracted to? Jesus is attracted to people who give their all in a heart of worship to him. What I found is there's always a Judas around though, right? There's always a Judas around to, to criticize. Listen, you can criticize my worship. I'm not worshiping you. That's right. 
I'm worshiping him that changed this man's life and set my feet upon a firm rock and set my feet upon a path of life that I've been walking for 26 years. And I don't regret one single minute of it because he is the best thing that's ever happened to this man. There's always a Judas that's going to come and, and criticize. I remember, I, I've, I think I've shared that. I don't know that I've shared this before, but I remembered it very distinctly yesterday. I was in a missions conference, so I was there as a minister. I wasn't just there in the service, but it was a pretty large church, and worship was just going super-duper well, just really good service. And and uh, I was just staying low-key, and I was worshiping, and the Holy Spirit said, and it was, it was high praise going on, the Holy Spirit said, run. I thought, what am I running from, Lord? <laughs> Somebody coming in the back door? You know, what's up? And, and I, I felt that prompting again. I ask it this morning already, but let me ask you, when's the last time your worship cost you something? Because in that moment, I had a little battle going on. I had the battle of, well, Lord, what will people think? I'll probably run three times around this room and nobody else will join in. Because when Mary brought the most expensive thing that she had, again, we are the people of Pentecost. Yes. We, that's who we are. We're the church of the firstborn. We're the church yes. of the living God. We are the called out ones, the ecclesia, the, the gathering of believers on this earth that's happening all over this world right now. Yes. And she brought the most, the most costly thing that she did because here's the beauty of this whole story. And in that, when I was in the conference, I finally obeyed, man. I just took off. And I thought, you know, you know what it cost me that day? It cost a little bit of my pride, which I, did, I needed to get rid of anyway. Amen. I, some of you don't give your all in worship because you're worried about what somebody else thinks about you. If you come into worship worrying about what somebody else thinks about you, you are not going to cha- get changed in that service. It's not going to happen. And one of the beauty of that is after I made my first lap around, I stopped and there were 30 people running behind me. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. You do not know because when she broke that open on his feet, it changed the entire atmosphere of the whole entire house. So every room and even probably outside with the people who were gathered out of curiosity just to see Lazarus who came from a tomb and is now sitting at a table, who was dead and is now alive, who was lost and was now found. And he's sitting at the table and, and, and of course Martha's running around doing Martha and we give Martha a bad rap. Listen, this, the church wouldn't be the church without servant hearted people. But don't forget to be a Mary. Don't forget to take whatever it is that you have and we are gathered together on Sundays, and this is a something that you can do your entire and create your lifestyle, a lifestyle of encountering God whenever and wherever you are. I said it last week, that when you get to the place where you have full trust in God, God's presence begins to come into your life, and you have such a natural relationship with Him, that relationship is not cut off because you walk out those doors here in a few minutes. It's something that is life-giving, and you literally come to need it every single moment of every single day and that's the way God created this to be you're not supposed to do your life on your own we in this country and it's it's admirable to a point we in this country we 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 put up and we you know put on put put on a pedestal those who are just ah, you know pull myself up by my bootstraps and just 
get going and get moving. Can I tell you, there are times in your life and there are things you'll come against that you have no answer for. Can I tell you the answer? Worship Him. Because worshiping Him in that moment, it changed every single bit of the atmosphere of the room. So she breaks this box open. Lazarus is just happy he's alive. Martha's offering some more lentils or beans or something. I don't know what they're eating. But in this story, what kind of house is, is Jesus attracted to? Listen, it only takes one person to push the envelope that bust open worship that will change somebody else. The, the, the card I got in the mail. I got you. Oh, is it back on? Your worship here broke open the presence of God for somebody else. And that's how we should be continually. And it's, it's a beautiful story because it says she lets down her hair, which the Bible clearly tells us that's a woman's glory. So she's letting down something of herself. In other words, some of you just in worship need to let your hair down a little bit. <laughs> I'm being dead serious with you. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not. Your pastor will come to you. <laughs> Done it to some of y'all already throughout the years. But listen, really and truly, it's the worship that we pour out on God is completely appropriate for people of Pentecost because we have been changed and we've encountered the presence of God. We've encountered His goodness. We're sitting at, at a table this morning with people who have passed from death to life. Because listen to me, worship isn't a music service. Worship is a lifestyle that you live. It's offering God your everything. It's offering uh, to Him your entire life. Worship is never wasted when it's poured out on the feet of Jesus. Amen. Never, ever. Listen, listen to your pastor for these next couple minutes, and I'm going to close. As a matter of fact, if you guys would come back up. It's never wasted because I want you to know something this morning. Every tear, every hallelujah, every whisper of God, thank you, every tithe that you give, every offering that you give, it's never, ever, ever wasted on Jesus. Never. For the people of Pentecost, the purpose of Pentecost is that he would have a people that he could pour his spirit out on. And then we would go into all the world doing what? Telling people that there's a Savior that loves them. There's a Savior that's for them. Jesus is for them. Let me give you a few quick things that attracts the presence of God. God comes to houses of celebration. God comes to houses of servanthood. People with a humble heart that says, you know what, I just want to serve the people around me. God's attracted to that. God is attracted to heartfelt worship, not because we're so great, but because He loves it when He gets to come into communion with us. Humility. Everybody say humility. Humility Humility attracts the presence of God, understanding that we're not all that, but He is. The Word of God will attract the presence of God. You want to attract the presence of God? Listen, Listen to your pastor for just a few minutes. You want to attract the presence of God. You dig into that word. We talked about the feast just for a little bit this morning. And those feasts, it was 
they'd go a week, and then they'd go a day, and then they'd go a week in the fall. And really, you see throughout the Old Testament, when they'd come together for those feasts as a nation, and, and the Word of God would be instilled in them, they would go home, and as they went home, they would be tearing down idols in the towns. They would be doing away with things that displeased God. It's important for us to gather together. It's important for you to be in and here and under the anointing of the Word of God because that attracts the presence of God. Repentance. Everybody say repentance. Stand with me this morning. Repentance. And I could go on and on and on and on. Celebration attracts God's presence. Humility attracts God's presence. The Word of God attracts God's presence. It said this when he stood up on that day of Pentecost all those years ago. When he stood up on that day, he said, Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the hand of the Lord, may come from God's Spirit. So he was wanting them to repent, which means have a change of mind about the direction you're going and go the other way. So bow your head and close your eyes this morning for me for just a minute. So let the Holy Spirit continue and shift the atmosphere even again in this place. God came in this building this morning for you. He moved in this room and began to settle over this place for you. All we have to offer Him is our sin and our mistakes and our junk and our very dark hearts but the beauty of the moment of repentance is when you repent and turn away God takes out that heart of stone and he places inside a heart of when we come with honest hearts and say God I want to turn away from the sin that's destroying me because that's what sin does it destroys you it destroys the image of God that he placed upon you enemy comes not but to kill steal and destroy but jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly so if you are not living the abundant life that god promised guess what there's an opportunity for you in a moment to repent and turn and put your faith in jesus he will wash you clean he will become a friend that sticks closer than a brother He will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will encourage you. He will change your life. So I want to ask that question as we end this morning. We as the people of God, and you've you've never joined the people of God. You've never had what's, what's the entrance and access into becoming a part of the global nation that is the body of Christ. The key that unlocks the door is to repent. The key that unlocks the door is to ask God to forgive you, to ask Him to come into your life and to to, to change your heart. So I want to ask that question this morning. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice, heads bowed, eyes closed, we just want to give you and the Holy Spirit a moment of uh, privacy. Give you a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart right now because He's speaking He's speaking to you. You're not here by accident. This is a day that God has circled on his calendar for you to finally come to that place where you humbly just say, God, I I can't, I can't do this on my own. You were not meant 
to live this life on your own. You have a heavenly father that created you on purpose for a purpose this morning. The first step that we take is repentance. I want to ask that question. You say this morning, I just want to get my life right with God. I see all the the, the chaos and all the junk the enemies caused in my life and I want to renounce him and I want to follow Jesus. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking, God, this morning. Thank you, amen, amen. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today with an honest heart. I am a sinner. I've turned my back on you. I'm turning around. I'm asking you today to change my heart. I am a sinner that needs your grace. I repent of my sin. I lay it aside. I ask you to wash me. I ask you to cleanse me. Come into my heart. Change my life. I need you to be my Savior. And today, I ask you to be my Lord. Help me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate folks getting saved in this house today. Hallelujah. For those of you who came into the kingdom just a moment ago, let me encourage you what to do next. You need to find and graft yourself into a body because I can never, I'm saying as the pastor of this church, I can never do it apart from you. Amen? Never. It wasn't meant to be done on your own. It's meant to be done in the context of a loving group of people that literally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm only half joking when I say this is our weekly reunion of sinners. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes I think we're the church all the other churches are praying for, but I do. But listen, we're real, and we have a real God that this church right here loves with all of our heart. And when you begin to walk down that path, you begin to fill your life with the Word of God. You begin to get in fellowship with other believers. You begin to gather yourself together. And you will begin to grow into who Jesus called you to be. And listen to me, there's nothing more beautiful than that, to become a son or a daughter of God. And he then takes over lordship of your life. And listen, you'll be more blessed on accident than you ever were on purpose before. Because he's a good God. And then you'll begin to find your identity in him. You'll begin to find your purpose. You'll begin to serve. You'll begin to love. You'll begin to grow. And that's a beautiful thing this morning. Amen. Amen. Let me bless you this morning as the church body. Father, I don't do this out of routine, but I do it out of a heartfelt heartfelt desire to see the people of God blessed. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I bless Christian Center Church. Father, may they be blessed as they've come in. And, Father, more importantly, may they be blessed abundantly as they go out. Father, I pray that your holy presence would rest upon us and inside of us this day. For those who just confess their sin and put their faith in you, God, fill them up.
totally with the Holy Spirit. Push out every bit of the old self and sin, and may they walk in newness of life. Father, watch over and protect each member of this body, those who are traveling and off on vacations. God, we pray your traveling mercies upon them. I pray your mercy upon and a hedge of protection upon each one as they go from here. May it never be from your holy presence, but may you continually be with us, upon us, and help us understand what Pentecost really means. And let us go out into a lost and dying world. And Father, tell others of how good you are, Father. We love and praise you, and we're careful to give you all the, all the honor and glory. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. Have a great Memorial weekend. Be careful and have a blessed uh, holiday tomorrow. God bless you. Remember, next week is LCU graduation. You guys come to celebrate with the LCU. And I will be preaching, okay?